What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, as always, Jack Vita. We are closing in on uh, 200 episodes here. We got a few more. We get to 200. Time's going by quick. We are taping today our college basketball season preview here on November 4th, 2021. It is a Thursday afternoon. Baseball season's over. We're officially in the offseason now. Had a good time wrapping things up for Major League Baseball in the 2021 season. Earlier this week, I had three Braves fans call into that show. Uh, Albert Destrade, T-Bird Cooper, and Garrett Powell. Uh, Great time chatting with them and just recapping the World Series. And there'll be plenty of... uh, I'm sure we'll have some good off-season uh, talk later on on this show during this offseason. But at this time, it's time to shift our gears to the next, my next favorite sport there is past Major League Baseball, and that is Division One college basketball. And if you guys, by the way, if you guys like today's show and you're interested in our, in our next uh, football episode that we'll have coming out, and I'm sure we'll be doing plenty more of these college basketball episodes in the coming weeks uh, leading up to the end of the year, and leading up to March Madness, for that matter, make sure you guys subscribe to the Jack Vita Show wherever it is that you guys get your podcasts and leave a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, it'll really help us get more listeners. Share the show with a friend if you guys enjoy it. And at this time, I want to welcome back in my friend who helped me preview college football season this year. We previewed college basketball last year, and we had a lot of fun during March Madness last year. We did a lot of shows uh, recapping and previewing the matchups. It is Andrew Stem from the Omaha World Herald. Welcome back to the show, my man. Oh, thanks, Jack. Always good to be with you. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of echo your sentiments. There's there's nothing quite like college basketball. And I we were talking off air. I really appreciate this time of year where, you know, it's sad that baseball is over, but you get the confluence of college football playing rivalry games and other big games as yeah. they build towards championship week and eventually the college football playoff. And we got to a lot of big college basketball matchups, some, some real big games to get started here in the season. And then we build the feast week. And conference play is starting earlier and earlier, and uh, it's just a really good time to be a college sports fan. Yeah, it is. And my next question is, in terms of you bring up this time of year, I got to know, when do the Christmas lights go up at the STEM house? You know, that's that, that's an interesting question. Um, <laughs> I, I am significantly more festive than Megan is. Um, so if I had the option, I would probably start playing them I'm not a November 1st kind of guy. Uh, my birthday is early in November, so I'm usually a post, uh, post-birthday. post I feel like I can start decorating. Uh, <laughs> Megan is more of a not until after Thanksgiving, uh, so we will usually kind of find some happy medium. And uh, generally, Thanksgiving week will probably be when they come out. But uh, if I had my way, it would be a little bit sooner. <laughs> so my general thought is Christmas season or the holiday season or whatever it is that you celebrate – and it, this applies to all holidays. It starts whenever you want it to start. We don't need to have some kind of a national or international mandate of like, okay, after the 15th or after Thanksgiving, like that's when it's acceptable. It's acceptable whenever you want. Do whatever you want. Whatever makes you happy, especially this time of year when seasonal depression is in effect for a lot of people. Like I know that's something that helps a lot of people is to listen to Christ- Christmas music. Now, Personally, I'm probably not 
the type that's going to watch Christmas movies this early. But I'm not going to fault anybody who who wants to start celebrating now. No, absolutely not. And like, you know, you watch and I know a lot of those Hallmark and and other Christmas Mm. type movies are a little bit cheesy. But I feel like generally when you watch those, you just end up feeling so good. And like there's a good message. There's generally a happy ending. Everybody feels pretty positive about things. And like if people want to start, you know what? The last two years have been really hard. If you want to start feeling like that on November 1st. Um, you know, I think that's when Hallmark started doing maybe their countdown to Christmas or, or something, you know, and, and the holiday commercials have already started and they generally have good, feel good messages to, you know, if people just want to be happy and like feel festive and enjoy all that, like you said, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and tell people when they can or cannot start in doing it because, you know, if it helps you get through it, uh, you know, and, and get to the holiday season and enjoy all that, get through the next six, seven, eight weeks, you know. Whatever helps you get through certainly uh, is something people should be doing. And having said all of that, while I'm probably not the biggest in terms of like the last couple of years, I haven't really watched as many Christmas movies as I have in the past. It kind of fluctuates for me from year to year. I do have Christmas lights up in my room year round. Like I just like the look of Christmas lights. So I think ours will probably be going up here sometime over the next 10 to 14 days would be my guess. My dad's going to get out on the roof and put them up. Nice. Sounds like a good plan. Yeah. Part of it's also dependent on the weather. You know, you don't want to be yeah. hanging Christmas lights when it's 30 and raining. So if, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the fall weather kind of holds out and it's a little bit nicer for a little bit longer, I imagine you'll see a lot of people start to put them up here in the next couple of weeks because it's a chance not only to, to be festive and celebrate, but also a little bit easier to get out and put them out when you have to deal with snow or sleet or rain or any of that fun stuff. Now, one of the great things, as you mentioned, the what probably the best thing this time of year in particular, the start of November, aside from your birthday, Andrew, is uh, <laughs> is the start of college basketball season. And now we have really uh, an interesting year coming up. It looks like at this time, it looks like this is going to be the most quote unquote normal season that we've had in a few years, because two years ago, we know how things played out. We did not have an NCAA tournament. Things just collapsed abruptly, and we didn't get to send those guys off uh, properly. And then last year, most I mean, we did not have fans the entire season up until the NCAA tournament. And then I was watching all these one shining moment videos, Andrew. Like it's that's the one of the things that gets me pumped up at this time of year. So I watch one shining moment videos from different years, like for a whole hour straight. And I was doing that the other night and I got to last year's one shining moment video and I was just like, man, I forgot how they only had like 20% of the fans there. Yeah. Yeah. It was vastly different. And, you know, with it being, especially some, a lot of those games being at Lucas oil and how they kind of cordoned it off sideways and, and things like that. It just seems like, you know, you can hear people making noise, but, uh, it's definitely not the same and very much looking forward to getting back to that feeling of normalcy like we are in you know so many different uh avenues of life here but uh you know watching you know tuning in and to say duke north carolina and seeing all the cameron crazies and just all the different you know great stadiums that are just such incredible atmospheres when they're full and uh, that's you know something that's going to be really really good to get back to all you know all the the 
folks at Kansas, that's going to be that Jayhawk team should be really good. And uh, Allen Fieldhouse will be packed again. And you, know, you go up and down the list, all the conferences, you can think of lots of really, really good venues and they're going to be full. I know people will be excited to get back out and get to those games. And, you know, a chance to one thing um, that I feel like we were kind of cheated out on for at least some of the conferences was we didn't get the regular non-conference schedules. You know, teams kind of they played fewer games or they, they played more local teams um, instead of, you know, perhaps a lot of those big invitationals for the most part. There were some that still happened, but uh, this year is definitely a chance to get a bigger um you know, more well-rounded sort of non-conference schedule and see, you know, the the best teams kind of go up against each other. And uh, there are some really, really good non-conference games here in November, December. Yeah, there sure are. Now, the thing is, I have to say, I, th- I think out of every sport that was played in 2020 to 2021, that year, I really think that college basketball was the sport including all professional sports, it was the one that suffered the most for me personally without the fans because the pageantry of college sports is what part of what makes it so fun and so special. There's such an electric atmosphere with the students and the mascots and the pep bands, and that was greatly lacking from last year. So I, I think it is a really big deal that things are looking pretty normal at this time for the sport. Yes, yeah, absolutely, and we'll have... You know, stadiums full of fans and pep bands and mascots and uh, return to, you know, quote unquote normal. And uh, also visually, it's just going to look so much better. You know, you have the bleachers pushed out and people put up ads or things or whatever to try and recoup some money. And just to see those places full and to hear the students and, you know, all their chants and jumping up and down and and all the things that good student sections do. you know, you're right. College football and college basketball, like those college sports, the atmospheres really, really make it. And the NFL is a little bit more sterile. Um, I think the NBA, you know, probably is too. I think Major League Baseball missed fans uh, yeah. in the 2020 season when they didn't have them um, up until, you know, the end of the playoffs and then the World Series. But uh, definitely college basketball and college football um, did not benefit from from not having people in the stands. I was trying to think of the opposite the what you <laughs> disbenefit but i think i'm probably just creating a word so but yes um you know it's been good for college football to have those stands being full and to have the marching bands and it's going to feel exactly the same you you get some big non-conference uh matchups going on i think we have some on campus games um you know texas is going to gonzaga they'll be the highest ranked team ever to go play in the kennel um and and there are some neutral site matchups too but just to see all of those venues being full with, with fans and, and students and pep bands, like you said, it's, it's going to be, uh, it will be very heartwarming to see it. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Of course, the headlines going into this season, I guess the best place to start, Coach K, this is the last dance. This is his final run of things. This is his farewell tour. Now, I think it's interesting because I know some people that don't like Coach K, and they, they don't like this move. They're like, oh, Well, you know, he has to make it all about himself. And I really, for me personally, I like having these send-offs. I I mean, Albert Pujols, I think we probably just watched his final at-bats a couple weeks ago. And we didn't, I would have loved to celebrate Albert Pujols his final year because he was the best player of his generation. And he's a big deal. And look at what Coach K has been for 
40 years in this sport, one of the greatest coaches in all of sports history. I think part of it is a product of if you don't like Duke or you don't like Coach K, or maybe it's, I, I think probably the greatest thing might be is they look at the way that a place like ESPN might cover college basketball, where they some of these places are look for more surface level talking points. And in this case, Coach K is going to be like the protagonist of the college basketball story um, from certain media outlets, uh, such as the one I mentioned. But personally for me, I like it. I want to I want to send him off and I want to know that these are the last games he's coaching at Duke. Yeah, you know, I, I I get what you're saying. You contrast it with Roy Williams, who just, you know, over the summer kind of announced that he was done. Um, and, you know, so you didn't get a chance to, you know, wonder, is this Coach K or is this Coach Roy's final, you know, NCAA tournament? I don't think uh, – I think a lot of people were caught by surprise by his particular retirement. And so, like you said, once, you know, no matter what your feelings are about Coach K and he has done so much for the sport and whether you think Duke is overhyped or whether you're a big Duke fan or, you know, whether you kind of fall in the middle. Um, and it's interesting you pointed out about the the protagonist. I did see um, ESPN release their schedule the other day and every Duke game will be on an ESPN network of one or another, whether it's ESPN, <laughs> ESPN2, or the ACC network. Um, so... People who want to watch Coach K's final season will definitely get an opportunity to do so. But uh, it's going to, you know, it will be a seismic shift. You know, Coach uh, Roy Williams had been there for a long time. You know, uh, Coach K, as you said, he's this is his 41st season coming up here at Duke and has been a coach at Army before that, has been a constant in the sport for almost 50 years. And then you kind of start to look at some of those other coaches and, you know, who's the next sort of generation of of coaches who've been there for a long time. Like, I think you might think about a guy like Bill Self, right? But, um, you know, kind of beyond that, you know, and Jay Wright could get there eventually, but who's who's the next kind of group of coaches that you look at and, you know, 25, 30 years from now will be like Coach K wrapping up maybe a, a 40 or 50-year career? Yeah, so, of course, uh, we have the Duke Blue Devils, and they open the season number nine in the polls, and they'll be playing... Uh, the AP poll, I should say, and they play Kentucky in the Champions Classic. Um, but in terms of coaches, I think another great place for us to start is we had a number of coaches leaving and coming to new places. And then, of course, we also had a lot of players leaving and going to new places. Andrew, can you give us a little rundown of some of the major coaching shakeups across the sport? Well, uh, yeah. Um, so it's, I guess the first domino was that Shaka Smart left Texas. He went to Marquette, uh, and he's, I think, you know, getting back to being a little bit more local. Uh, you know, he was uh, a Chicago product at one time, or uh, the, from the, the Midwest area and had been at one point rumored to take over Illinois and then instead VCU and, or went, went from VCU to Texas, um, and left behind a really talented Texas team, but he moved on to Marquette. Chris Beard went from Texas Tech to Texas, and the Longhorns uh, preseason top five in the AP poll, and they've got you know one of their most talented teams ever. They've got a mix of guys coming back and players who've transferred in. 
Um, and then he asked about coaches. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. At Arizona, a uh, team that's a little bit further, I think, down kind of the the, the list as people think about it. But uh, Tommy Lloyd is the new coach there. He was the coach in waiting at Gonzaga for a long time. And then when Sean Miller was relieved of his duties, uh, the top of, Mark Fuse, top assistant, took a head coaching job in the Pac-12. So you wonder what kind of impact that might have on Gonzaga, um, you know, kind of going down the road. I mean, Mark Few is still there. Uh, Drew Timmy is back, uh, the favorite for preseason. Another coach, another coach at Gonzaga that we know and love is still there, too. Uh, yes, Roger Powell Jr. is still yeah. there. Um, I actually I got it. in touch with him recently. He's going to come on here sometime. Nice. So you have to tell him I still have his bobblehead in my office. <laughs> I'm jealous. Uh, he, he, he gave me one of those... Uh, before he left Valpo, because uh, they had one for the the 2005 Illinois team, there was a whole group of bobbleheads. And I'm mad he, a, he didn't he, give me one. Now he he had a bunch. <laughs> of, he may still have some left over. Probably you does. Him, you have to ask him when he's on. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of any other. You know, kind of. Uh, did you mention? Did you mention our uh, friend? Well, not friend. Oh, Porter but, Mosier. Yeah. Yes, Porter Mosier going to uh, Oklahoma. Uh, after Lon Kruger retired, Porter Mosier goes to Oklahoma and steps into, you know, kind of makes that big jump. I think you and I were both a little bit surprised that of all the available jobs, he ended up picking Oklahoma. Didn't really have any ties to the area, but yeah. the, the Big Twelve, you know, the allure of the Bolt, the Big Twelve is pretty strong. And then conversely, Drew Valentine steps up and takes over at what should be still a really, really good Loyola team. Um, if you want to get a sense, uh, unfortunately, perhaps maybe for, for our alma mater, Jack, for <laughs> Valpo, I, the Athletic did a recent survey of teams who are likely to be, they surveyed a bunch of their writers and asked who's likely to be the next NCAA tournament Cinderella, um, you know, this coming year. And four different teams from the Valley got votes. Uh, Loyola wow. got one. They return. While Cameron Crutwig is not back and Porter Moser is now in Norman, um, they return a bunch of those you know, kind of fifth-year super senior guys who got the extra year because of COVID, um, and, and they're back and ready to go. Drake, who, you know, won the regular season in the Valley a year ago and returns almost all of their team except for a player who transferred to Kansas. They'll be they'll be pretty good. Uh, Missouri State and Northern Iowa also got votes in that particular poll. So, um, you know, and we think our, our the Valpo Beacons, I uh, made sure to get that right. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get that. Be, I already think I got that wrong sometimes. I can't remember. They, the, I, I, I mean, I had to, I had, I had yeah. to catch myself there because I almost <laughs> almost used the old the old mascot. But, um, I still like you know, to. You, I might call them the Valpo Valpos from time to time, too. That's fine. That's totally – or the Valparaiso basketball yeah. team. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's fine. But, yeah, we think I, – I mean, I think – I think you think as well they're going to be improved. Oh, yeah. But – I mean, the valley is going to be. Yeah. You know, you look you you look at you look at mid major leagues and like the toughest, you know, non power league, the the power five plus the American, the Big East, like the toughest league night in and night out outside from those leagues could very well be the valley, the valley, the A ten, you know, one of those. That's it's going to be hard night in and night out in those leagues. Yeah, I think this Valpo team uh, is going to be. S- pretty strong this year and I think maybe you know maybe we're looking at a team that finishes in fifth but goes to the uh, league championship game like it did a couple years ago I think we could see that type of season from them 
and I met some of these new guys. I got three transfers from the Big Ten. Joe Headstrom, Trevor Anderson, both from Wisconsin, and Thomas Keither from Michigan State. Uh, Headstrom just seemed like a Valpo guy. He, we talked with, I met him, he's hung out with these guys at a Valpo uh, basketball team outing at a baseball game. Coach Gore gave me a call and was like, hey, you want to come watch the Sox with us? And I was like, okay, I'm down. And uh, Headstrom was really sold on the faith element of all the Christian coaches. That was a big selling point for him. And so he just seems like a Valpo guy. And I think a lot of these guys were, I sense really buying into the program. The other thing I want to defend Valpo for is a lot of the fans have been like, man, everyone wants to transfer out. We have a transfer problem. It's going on across the whole landscape of college basketball. It's not a Valpo thing uh, exclusively. And it's really, I think we've seen a lot of guys like, for instance, I was Valpo opens with Toledo uh, next week. And I'm thinking, okay, uh, I think his name's Marion Jackson. Is the guy's name? He was the is that his name? The star player from Toledo last year. That sounds right. Yeah, Marion Jackson. Unless it's Marlon Jackson. It's I think it's Marion. Anyway, he was so good out of uh, out of the MAC last year, and now I was like, okay, well, I'm looking at their roster. I'm like, okay, they're gonna play Valpo. Here we go, Marion Jackson. Be fun to watch him play against Valpo. Well, he plays at Arizona State now. Like a lot of these mid-major guys are just these mid-major programs are being pillaged by some of these bigger programs. But then on the other on the other side of things, there are opportunities for guys like Headstrom and Anderson and Keither to come over to the Valley from the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, it, and it even impacts. You know, you talked about you even get guys doing like up transfers. Um, you know, you mentioned Arizona State. And Remy Martin transferred from Arizona State to Kansas. Marcus Carr transferred from Minnesota. Um, and, you know, say what you want about that Minnesota program kind of bottoming out under Richard Pitino. But, you know, Marcus Carr transferred to Texas. Um, C.J. Frederick transferred from Iowa to Kentucky. You know, the, the player movement is is happening everywhere. And I think, you know, students, you and I have talked about this before, if students can transfer um, easily and without any problems. I feel like basketball players shouldn't have any problems either, yeah. but there have been, there are a lot of new names in a lot of new places. Um, you know, so if you weren't kind of keeping tabs on the transfer portal the whole way through, uh, you may turn on your, your favorite team's game here as they play Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever they get the season started and find yourself consulting the online roster going, who is that? <laughs> he plays for us. Right. Yeah. And then, of course, the other storyline that we have in terms of changes for players. And by the way, actually, maybe before I mentioned the other thing that's changed in terms of players, the big thing, there's another coaching change that we failed to mention. Indiana Hoosiers. Indiana Hoosiers bring in alum Mike Woodson. Uh, It'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, it will be, you know, and there are some... You know, you, you think of, I mean, a, a team that's near and dear to my heart, the Michigan Wolverines. You think of a guy like Jawan Howard who, you know, makes the transition pretty smoothly from NBA to, to college coach. And, you know, it's gone pretty well. Proud alum, too. Yeah, it's gone, that gone pretty well. Um, but, you know, the, the NBA to NCAA transition isn't always great. I mean, I, you want 
I like Mike Woodson as a person. I think he's a pretty decent coach, and you want him to be successful. You know, we talked about in our football preview kind of how these seasons are better when certain programs are good. And I feel like Indiana, UCLA, you know, Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, places like that, the college basketball season is better when, you know, your blue blood programs are are good and you know, vying for conference titles or NCAA tournament bids or whatever. So I, I think it will be good for college basketball if Woodson is successful at Indiana and they can, you know, get back to their winning ways. And certainly a, a big piece to build around Trace Jackson Davis deciding to come back for his junior year Yes, was a big decision for the Hoosiers. And it's always good to have a guy that you can – build your roster around and he certainly gives Woodson uh, a guy in that now players can collect some paychecks through endorsements uh, and you might be able to explain that a little better and understand a little better how that all works but one of my thoughts was to tell the truth I remember last year we were podcasting during the tournament and everyone had been gifted this extra year because of COVID and my thought was well, Luca Garza is going to come back because, I mean, he's got unfinished business. He could really set some uh, records at the Division One level. He was uh, just a great, great player at Iowa. They had those three guys, uh, Bohannon and, um, and Wieskamp, and Wieskamp also left for the NBA. My thought that I had recently was, and look, it's Luca Garza's life. He can live it however he wants. And, uh, you know, I got no, I'm not going to say what he should or should not do, but I do think that he may have, there's a good chance, I would say, I think there's a good chance he ends up making more money if he's in college basketball this year than he's right now. I mean, he's like, uh, I don't even think he's on an NBA roster. Um, he was oh, old- he's, he's playing for the Pistons. Oh, is he now? I'm sorry. Yeah, I can't remember if he's uh, – uh, hold on. Uh, he may have one of those two-way deals yeah. uh, where he goes back and forth between um, – Like Alec you know, their, Peters their G, their G League affiliate and whatever. But, yeah, he, uh, um, uh, he's been playing pretty well for the Pistons, okay. actually. Getting okay. a, getting a, I mean, you know, getting a little bit of run, like not tons. He's not playing – um, you know, first, first overall pick type minutes, but yeah, he's stuck on with the Pistons and it would be really good to see him, you know, have a, make a good career. But I do think, you know, he certainly would play a lot more in college. Um, if he decided to come back to Iowa, he'd play a lot more, but I'm also just thinking in terms of like, he'd be the most recognizable face coming back into the sport this year. He'd be the way to get endorsement deals. Um, and I think he he could be like, you know, and just hearing about Alec talk about what his experience was like when Alec Peters was on here a couple months ago, that one year that he spent bouncing back and forth between the G League and the NBA, it, it sounded tough. But I mean, people have different tastes. They have different preferences. I just feel like um, I was to tell the truth. I was surprised that he didn't stay because I thought, you know, you could you could stay at the top of this sport and pocket some good money and get to be in college for another year, which is fun. But you know, we all have different uh, ways that we go about living our lives. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see if the rest of 
if the rest of that team had stuck together, if he had decided to come back, if they had decided to run it back one more time, you know, maybe you don't get yeah. CJ Frederick uh, transferring and things of that right. nature. And then maybe we're talking about, you know, the, the Big Ten being even more difficult because you've already got teams preseason top 10 of, of Michigan, Purdue, and Illinois is 10th in one poll and 11th in the other. Um, you know, and then maybe you're talking about four top 10 or top 15 teams. And, um, you know, if we assume we'll touch on conferences here in a minute, the, uh, the big 10 is going to be, it's going to be a, a slug fest for sure. Yeah. So I have to think that if you had to pick a team right now to win the big 10, it's gotta be your Michigan Wolverines, right? Uh, maybe, um, I don't want to hedge the thing. <laughs> I feel good about Hunter Dickinson coming back. Eli Gar- or Eli Brooks brings using that fifth COVID year brings some senior leadership. They got an up transfer in Devontae Jones, the player of the year in the Sun Belt, transferring from Coastal Carolina to be the point guard. And a really good incoming freshman class. If those guys blend pretty well, um, certainly. You know, Illinois is another one getting Kofi Coburn back. Um, you know, cause he was a guy who declared for the draft and then put his name in the portal, kind of checked around and then ended up coming back and they've got Andre Corbello and yeah, Corbello is a guy who I think could make a significant leap this year. Cause last year he had a couple of games where he got to shine, especially when Desumu was out for a little bit. Uh, there was that game against Michigan. I think he played pretty well in that game but when you have a guy like Desumu who's so ball dominant uh there's limited amount of opportunities for you to do stuff with the ball and there was also that guy uh what was his name the guy transferred out Adam something such, Adam Miller yep right a- Adam Miller yep yep yeah, yeah yeah that we uh he's gone that I uh spent all of last year saying oh yeah you, he was near you and you're like <laughs> no no he's from downstate no and I eventually, yeah, I was like, I, ev- Central Illinois guy. Eventually, eventually figured that out. But yeah, they'll be good. You know, they they've got a, a senior leader in Trent Frazier coming back who kind of holds that together. Coburn is, you know, such a good player, and um, you know, and and another team that I think people are. It, it's weird to say this as because they're you know preseason number seven, but I don't feel like people are talking enough about Purdue. Oh right, Purdue yeah. basically returns everybody. Um, you know, they start with Trevion Williams, uh, the front court in the big 10, my goodness gracious. Um, you know, they, they do those preseason all league teams and it gets to the point where they're putting out four centers because that's really good. And you honestly, <laughs> you wouldn't play with a four center team, but that's where they're, the big 10 is really dominant. But, um, you know, you get that, you get Williams coming back. You also get Sasha Stefanovic coming back. Uh, and then there's really Dean Ivey, you know, the the son of Niall Ivey, the women's basketball coach at Notre Dame. And the really, you know, she was an outstanding player for Notre Dame um, when I was an undergrad. And then you got big Zach Eady, who'll be coming off the bench most likely. And the yeah. seven-foot-four Canadian. Uh, Jake Poliga, by the way, Jake Poliga, former Valpo quarterback and Purdue product, uh, who's been on this show several times. He's a big believer in Zach Eady. He thinks that guy's gonna. I mean, he's only a sophomore, but he is. He's a big body, uh, and he looked like he improved over the course of the season last year. He's, so he's he, another guy. He certainly did. And you know, I mean, what are teams gonna do if you play Trevion Williams, 
who checks in at um, hold on, I gotta gotta find him six ten two sixty five, and then you bring in Zach Eady too, and he's seven four two eighty five. How many teams in America have the size to defend both of those guys on the floor at the same time? Now you're, you're gonna stick up your finger and be like, well, we'll we'll run four guards and just make them run, and I, you know I guess you can do that. You got to kind of pick your poison, but um, I mean there's there's just everybody coming back. Um, I mean, Aaron Wheeler, he's gone. He averaged four points, four rebounds. And there was another guy off the bench who transferred. Uh, but for the most part, you know, it's everybody coming back. Sour Tater Mouse losing in North Texas in the first round of the NCAA tournament. But Matt Painter, really good coach. You know, I think kind of right there at the top, Michigan, Purdue, and Illinois. And then you got kind of a secondary tier of Ohio State and Maryland, Michigan State. And, uh, you know, it's they're not going to be – I mean, Nebraska is improved. I think Northwestern will be better. Minnesota will struggle. They've got a new coach, but they had a lot of players transfer out after Richard Pitino lost his job. Rutgers should be competitive for another NCAA tournament bid. Penn State's got a new coach. Um, there are no – you know, there aren't going to be any easy wins uh, in the Big Ten. Brad Davison's back for Wisconsin. Yep. Um, even though they lost a lot of the rest of their seniors, that group that just couldn't seem to click as much as people were kind of anticipating that they would. But, um, man, it is it is going to be something to watch night in and night out in the Big Ten. Yeah, and I think Ohio State, you mentioned as a secondary team, I think they're a team of that group might be my favorite in in terms of, I should say, making a leap into Tier 1, potentially winning the Big Ten. Last year, they were, uh, I think they were, what, number two, number three in the country. They peaked at that point and then, you know, suffered some losses down the stretch. And, of course, they made me eat cat food because they lost to Oral Roberts. We'll never forget that one. (laughs) (laughs) You'll remember that forever. So maybe I shouldn't be talking them up. Maybe I shouldn't. But, you know, EJ Liddell's back. A lot of their core is back. And that was a good team last year. Uh, I think, I mean, I I think they're a good one uh, that could win the Big Ten as well this year. Yeah, Dwayne Washington, their only starter not back. He was a a really good guard for them. Um, You know, they also lost C.J. Walker. Musa Jallo. Um, honestly, I think they've their point starting point guard transferred in from Penn State. They will be, I think, pretty front court heavy at least for a little while. You know, Justice Suing, um, who is a really good ball player, but whose last name drives me crazy because <laughs> it it it's S U E I N G, and just seeing the E next to the I N G, thinking about grammatical stuff is just not something that you know i i think should happen um but that's that's just a very minor that's that's me being uh, a professor i guess um but yeah justice suing ej liddell you mentioned and kyle young and you know young was he's a kind of a small ball center uh runs six eight two twenty five so he's more of a you know got three guys suing is six seven two fifteen liddell is six seven two forty Young 6'8", 225, so they're not prototypical, you know, they're not Kofi Coburn big or Zach Eady big or Hunter Dickinson big, um, but they can all shoot, you know, it's kind of like they uh, like that, they have five kind of shooters out on the floor, and uh, Young was the one who got hurt near the end of the season, and that team just wasn't the same. Um, he tried to play in the first round NCAA tournament game against Oral Roberts and just wasn't the same. And if he can get healthy, um, 
you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they did, like you said, and they kind of make that jump into the top tier. The other guy, too, Seth Towns, who was pretty limited last year, but he transferred from Harvard, um, you know, after after sitting out and, and all that stuff. And if he can get into kind of be where, you know, people thought he could be when he first transferred to Ohio State, he could make, be a difference maker. And, you know, as much as it pains me to say this, because he has been both at Ohio State and at Butler, uh, two universities I don't have any particular <laughs> fondness for based on the other teams that I root for, uh, Chris Holtman is just a really, really good basketball coach. Like, it's, you know, he gets the most out of his team. And, um, you know, so yeah, if anybody is able to get to take this Ohio State roster, which will be good. I'm certainly not sitting here and saying that they're not going to be a good team, but kind of get them into to make the leap from mid-tier or tier two of solidly in the NCAA tournament to, you know, contending for the Big Ten title, being a top one, two, three seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Holtman's the kind of guy who can take his team that far. Yeah, well, they were a two seed last year, which again, I'll never forget Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah. That cat food, man. I, I'm not doing that again this year. Yeah. I've learned my lesson. Uh, you know, unfortunately, those are lessons you got to learn the hard way sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and then the great part about it was my cousin Zoe, of course. She she was on that episode when I was like, yeah, I'm going to eat cat food if they lose this game. And uh, then Zoe, of course, ends up picking Baylor to win the national championship as someone who admittedly would define herself as a college basketball dummy. We called that episode college basketball for dummies. And she picked the team that ended up winning the national championship and uh, beat me in our family uh, bracket. She ended up winning. <laughs> so what you're saying is that just like every other year, we'll do all this analysis. Yeah. <laughs> and then when we get ready to make our final picks, we'll bring her back on and she can tell us who's going to win the national title. <laughs> she, her logic was, I like the name Baylor bears. It's a cute name. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there have been far stranger, uh, intuitions that have guided people to pick national <laughs> champions so you know whatever works for for zoe but yeah it's the big 10 is going to be fun uh there are some other leagues the big 12 i think right at the top you know kansas uh as well as texas uh texas tech still should be pretty good um you know we'll, we'll kind of see kind of how the second sort of tier beyond those teams kind of shakes out but what about baylor baylor should be pretty good again although you know it's defending national champs you never want to count them out um they're they got a lot of guys to replace i mean they've got a few coming back you know adam flagler is coming back and um a couple of others so they're certainly not going to fall way off um but it will be interesting to see you know, how they respond to being the defending national champions and, um, you know, all that stuff. But as we're talking about coaches, Scott Drew, really good coach. He'll have his team ready to go. And, uh, yeah, those four teams are – they've kind of set themselves up as the own sort of top tier, I think, in in the Big 12. And then, you know, kind of who from that second tier steps up and becomes – the fifth or maybe sixth NCAA tournament team in that league will be something to keep an eye on. Yeah, and right now, in terms of the AP Top 25, we've got Gonzaga still number one. Felt like they were number one all of last year. 
Uh, of course, not in the national championship game. They went undefeated and then got just got killed by Baylor. To be frank about it, Gonzaga is a team that I think I, I I picked them last year. I picked them two years ago. I truly believe Gonzaga is eventually going to win a national championship. It's, I, I I just feel like they're going to win one eventually. I have the same thought on the Tampa Bay Rays. I think the Rays are gonna you know beat the odds and win. A World Series and it's like they both are similar in that they were kind of like the mid-major school and now they're a blue blue blood program and that's what the Rays are right now even though they don't have the same resources as the Yankees or the Red Sox Gonzaga as I mean here they are number one in the country I'm not sure if I'm ready to pick them I guess I'll give a pick at the end of this show um, but I, I it's going to be tough to have such a blemishless season and then have the way it ended, get all the way back after, you know, getting your teeth kicked in in the national championship game. Yeah. I mean, they're, you know, they've kind of become one of those basketball. I mean, I don't want to say basketball factory because, you know, kids go, but yeah, I mean, they've become one of the top programs in college basketball and they don't, rebuild anymore they just reload i mean they yeah. lost Corey kispert uh drafted 15th overall to the wizards jalen suggs was um you know taken in the top of the lottery uh, i can't remember which pick it was i think it was number it was either three or four um and you know they lost joel ayayi too so they lost three starters um but they bring back the national preseason national player of the year and drew timmy um, you know, he's got the, the mustache. I know people can't see you cause we're not doing video, but you've got a nice mustache <laughs> for Movember going. And, uh, Tim, Timmy <laughs> had one of those as well. And, and, you know, people either loved him or hated him and there was really no middle ground, but I mean, 19.7 rebounds, 2.3 assists. Um, my dad enjoyed Timmy because I remember one of the first games we were watching last year where he was really kind of making his name known. It was probably that Kansas game on the opener. Uh, my dad just keeps hearing them yell, Timmy, Timmy, Timmy. And he's, you know, my brother's name is Timmy. And ah. my dad's thinking like, is the, he's picturing it like a create a player and like an NBA 2K where like a kid makes the guy's name Timmy and he doesn't even put a last name. And then just like, my, so my dad's joke was like, if guys are just going by their first name and he's running down the court and he's Timmy, he passes to Billy. And <laughs> <laughs> Gotcha. I like that. So yeah, so Timmy will be back. And like I said, he is one of the favorites for preseason player of the year. Uh, they bring back Florida transfer Andrew Nemhard, who took over running the point kind of in the second half of that season. Last year, he'll be back. They add Iowa State transfer Rasir Bolton. And honestly, more most importantly, as we, we talk reloading, they add three McDonald's All-Americans. Oh, my gosh. Including Chet Holmgren uh, from Minneapolis, the, the number one player in the class of 2021. Um, and, a, you know, some places is a – projected first team second team third team all-american um likely to be a a lottery pick should he decide to go um you know he's seven feet 195 averaged almost 21 points and 12.3 rebounds in high school uh last year he's he's really good and gonzaga beat out i think you know the hometown minneapolis or minnesota team but also i think the likes of kentucky um to get Holmgren on campus. 
people are kind of saying they remind him he reminds them of maybe Kevin Durant um but two others he's going to be their center and uh but two other McDonald's All-Americans one that's well known to a lot of people in the Omaha metro area Hunter Salas is from uh right here in Omaha he went to Millard North High School and averaged 22.2 points per game um and was seen dunking uh he went between his legs uh at the whatever Gonzaga's open practice midnight madness version thing was called um so that video got passed around and then Nolan Hickman from Seattle is another one um he was the number 22 player in the class of 2021 a five-star recruit decommitted from Kentucky and then signed with Gonzaga to give them three McDonald's All-Americans in this particular class so if the young guys can if they're as good as they are thought to be and they can all kind of blend those personalities together, because that's going to be really good again. I mean, and they're going to challenge themselves. Um, you know, they always kind of like to they play some tough non-conference games because they feel like once you get into West Coast conference play, even though the West Coast conference should have some good teams this year, BYU is, is going to be pretty good. Loyola Marymount there, you know, St. Mary's, San Francisco. Those are some teams that'll be, that'll challenge the Zags. But I mean, they open, uh, they have an easy game. They open against Dixie State next Tuesday, but then, they, like I said, they welcome Texas. That'll be a top five showdown on Saturday, November thirteenth. So while you're gorging on you know college <laughs> football, make sure to keep that game in mind. But then the, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, they play UCLA. Uh, they play Duke on Black Friday. Uh, they play Alabama in Seattle on December fourth, and then they have a neutral game against Texas Tech. So. Um, those are Texas Tech, I don't believe, is currently ranked in the AP Top 25, but those other four teams all are. So uh, Mark Few's squad definitely going to challenge themselves in the non-conference play and uh, you know, that to get a chance to see. And if you know the Zags run the table through all those games, I mean, then we'll probably be to the point where we're sitting here looking again and talking about are we going to have an undefeated Gonzaga team headed in the NCAA tournament? And if we do, can they get over the hump this time and win the national title? Whenever I talk to Coach Powell, if it, it might be, I, you know, at this point, I'm guessing I, I would not expect that I'm going to be talking with him during the season just because, you know, he coaches at Gonzaga. You're busy in the season. I figure we'll probably be doing this after the season. But if I get a chance to talk with him sometime during the season, I will say, Coach, throw a game here. Lose a game. Do not go in. <laughs> <laughs> no, they would never they would never throw a game, but I think it's in my opinion, I do think it's better to go into the tournament with a loss on the record and having that experience of bouncing back from a loss as well that adversity um I I just it's so hard to win them all. We've seen it. You know, Kentucky had that great team back in 2014 to 2015 and then Wichita State had another they went undefeated a year before that. I and then lost in the tournament. I think it is so hard to. Uh, I think it's better to get a loss out of your system during the conference season than it is, of course, when uh, you get to the March Madness. You don't want to lose any of those games. Yeah, and like I said, there will be, you know, there will be plenty of opportunities for the the Zags to drop non conference or to drop conference games. the The West Coast Conference is much improved. Um, they got they got. You know, they could be, there's a possibility this could be a three bid league if things shake out the right way. So, certainly they will get, and, you know, being the top team in the league, you get everybody's best shot. But there are certainly some teams that, you know, on any given night, things go the right way, could knock off the Zags. And uh, so, yeah, 
it'll be interesting to see if they can, you know, they try to go wire to wire, if they can pull that feed off this year. So we only have just under 15 minutes left here, Andrew. And obviously there are so many teams that are worth talking about. So I'm going to let you go in whatever directions you want to go. um, And we'll try to scratch the surface of the rest of, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll check in in a couple weeks probably during the season, but and we can do more of this, but I'm going to let you go wherever you want to go. I mean, I, 14 minutes. I, I think, you know, we should talk a little bit about Duke. Um, we mentioned Coach K here at the top, but they've got, I mean, it, it's kind of a, a new, newish type roster, right? They, they had players transfer, uh, coming in, coming out, um, you know, in kind of Coach K's final year. Um, a couple of starters not coming back, others not returning. I mean, Matthew Hurt uh, declared for the draft, didn't get drafted, but is on a two-way contract now with the Rockets. Uh, DJ Stewart is gone. Jalen Johnson is gone. Jordan Goldwire transferred to Oklahoma. He'll play under Porter Mosier. Um, a lot of new guys coming in, and kind of the the chief among them is Paulo Bancaro. I, I think that's how you say it. If his family is listening and that's not how you say it, my <laughs> sincerest apologies. <laughs> But uh, one of the one of the top freshmen in the country, uh, I think he was fighting it out with Chet Holmgren for Gatorade National Player of the Year, and he comes from Seattle and is thought to be, you know, the the next. I mean, I'm not going to go so far as to say he's the next Zion Williamson, but I think he's a guy. Yeah, no one's Zion. He's a yeah. he's a guy who had as a freshman has the ability to, if he plays to his potential, to carry Duke a long way. And it'll you know it'll be kind of a, a like I said a new look roster for Duke. Um, they'll be starting Wendell Moore and possibly four freshmen. You know, so four freshmen and a sophomore. You know, and Coach K has always kind of kept up with his recruiting, and that seems to have not dipped under, you know, coach in waiting John Shire. Uh, so they've got a couple of big recruits signed for out of the 2022 class. But um, Ben Carroll's a guy to keep an eye on. He's, you know, popping up on preseason All American list. Play, people are saying he could be the number one pick in the 2022 NBA draft. Uh, so, so keep an eye on on Duke. They will certainly be, they will, they will certainly be worth watching and, uh, like I said, they'll be on ESPN. They'll be easy to find. Um, another team I think worth talking about that seems like they may be a year ahead of schedule um, is Memphis. They just missed out on the NCAA tournament a year ago and had a very good run in the NIT. And they ended up getting, um, you know, they got some, some signers, to, uh, recruits rather, to come in, uh, they do bring back Lester Quinones, who was one of their best players a year ago. Um, but they got Jalen Duran and Amani Bates, who were both thought to be 2022 recruits, um, and they both reclassified. Both signed with Memphis. Um, you know, if you followed, you know, I feel like high school basketball kind of at all. You've heard the name of Monty Bates. I mean, at one point as in his freshman or sophomore year, he was on the cover of sports illustrated and they were talking about, is he the next LeBron James or what have you? Um, but, uh, he and Duran, Jalen Duran, both decided to play for Penny at Memphis. And, you know, I think they're one year and, and, and done probably both headed to the NBA, but, uh, you know, Penny has never been short on recruiting. And he's got, yep. I would guess, although I'm not 
an expert on Memphis basketball by any stretch of the imagination. But I would say this is probably his most talented team at Memphis. Um, you know, that team a couple of years ago looked like they were going to be it, and then they had that big recruit who played a few games, then was declared ineligible, then left school. Um, so just never quite got on the same sort of track. And this will be the, I think, Penny's most talented team at Memphis. Um, you know, they should probably run pretty rampant over the AAC, but that's, you know, they've, they've got their sights kind of set on bigger picture. Although Houston, again, will be really, really good under Kelvin yeah, Sampson. Houston's had their number in the past few years. Yeah, so. Kelvin Sampson has, uh, you know, he got the Cougars to the Final Four last year. And uh, kind of finally broke through there and a team who I think, again, top 15. So uh, pretty highly thought of, you know, Memphis 12 in one poll, 16 in the other. Um, So a couple of top 15 teams in the American, which will make, you know, the American worth watching. Uh, Who else do we want to hit on? We talked about Baylor a little bit. You know, they've got Adam Flagler back. How about UCLA? UCLA is number two. You know, Went to the final you know, four last I'm year. I'm trying to figure out if I 100% buy into the UCLA hype. Um, you know, their their run from first four to final four, and they were a banked three pointer by Jalen Suggs away from. I can't remember that. Th- was the game tied? I don't. I don't remember off the oh, top. Oh yeah, of my it was tied. Okay, so it would have gone yeah. to another overtime. But they're a bag three pointer yeah. away from you know from Jalen Suggs from double overtime against Gonzaga in the national semifinals. A main game, by the way. Yeah, probably probably great game of the game. year. Um, and, game of the year. And, jo- and by the way, Andrew, we were ahead of the curve on Pac-12 this year. We were talking up in the regular season. Nobody believed us. I know. And look what Pac-12 they did. did. They, they you know, Oregon nature. So yeah, I'm just. You know, I'm not 100% certain they were a really good team. I just don't know whether I'm totally buying into the UCLA is going to be the second-best right. team in the country hype. Yeah, I feel like it's a bad spot for them to start. I don't think it's ever good when... I mean, it's hard in general when you have people telling you how great you are before the season started. And for UCLA to be at two, I feel like that could be a challenge for them. I feel... They seem more like a team that you want to start them at like in the 8 to 12 range and they have the pot- potential to leap up to 2. I don't know if I'd have them at 2 personally yeah, so, either. So we'll find out but you know Johnny Juzang became a you know nationwide name a year ago with his his run yep. in the NCAA tournament. I mean he scored 27 over Michigan State, 28 against Michigan, uh, 29 in that overtime loss to Gonzaga. Um, so he he was the real deal and probably could have, you know, gone into the NBA draft, got went to the combine, came back, decided to come back for another year of school. Uh, Jaime Jaquez is back. Like they they return four of their five starters. Um, so there's a chance, you know, for them to be really good. And you know, we talk about coaches. I think McCronin is one who you know, just never seems to kind of get the notoriety that I think he deserves. He is a really good coach. Maybe it's because he's a little bit more defensive-minded, um, you know, and, and people just... Well, I'll give you two other reasons why. Okay. Cincinnati Bearcats. Not like It's not like Cincinnati is, 
you know, there people overlook the American. That's the first thing. Second would be Pac-12 is on late at night. That's and fair. A lot of Pac-12, whether it's football or basketball, overlooked. People don't get to see those teams a lot of the time. Yeah, so they'll be good. I'm not, you know, I, I will sit here and I will not eat cat food, but if we're, you know, <laughs> here in April and they're the national champions, I will, Dog eat, food. I will eat crow. Um, you know, because they could be really good, but I'm just not quite sure they're quite at that level, but they'll be entertaining to watch. Villanova gets, you know, Villanova should run kind of the big East. Is the big East going to be good this year? Uh, Villanova, UConn. And then there are a whole lot of question marks. A whole lot. It's not, it's not what it was two years ago. It was amazing two years ago. So fun. Creighton had a lot of players graduate. Um, you know, Marcus Howard's gone from Marquette. A couple of transfers. Yeah. Marquette under Shaka smart is kind of, I don't want to say bottomed out, but he's got a rebuilding job in front of him there. You you know, you could see a team like Seton Hall under Kevin Willard or St. John's under, uh, their coach. Um, all I can think of is what Mike. about Butler? You know, Butler's people think Butler might struggle again this year. It's it's hard yeah. for me to to get a real kind of handle on their roster. Like I said, I feel like of the eleven teams in the Big East, unfortunately they've got a new coach and they're gonna have to start building again. I think we can put DePaul at the bottom, we can put Villanova one, UConn two, and then if you told me in March that teams three through ten finished in a particular order, I don't think I would be confused or honestly astounded by any of them probably um you know so so nova is the favorite and uh you know they've got um you know it was it was a down or an atypical i guess villanova year for them a year ago and it wouldn't surprise me if they get back more kind of what they're doing they had cole swider who transferred and jeremiah robinson earl went to the nba but colin gillespie decided to come back for his fifth year um justin moore's a really good player jermaine samuels is a really good player so nova will have a lot of pieces and maybe you know it's weird that we're not really talking about the team who is you know preseason number four in both polls as a legitimate national title contender and not that they're not i just feel like they're not getting a lot of the oxygen that some of those other schools are so that, you know, they may sneak under the radar and uh, just kind of go about their businesses. You know, Jay Wright's teams often like to do, um, you know, as, as we're wrapping up here, Kentucky will be interesting. They've got a ton of transfers coming in. You know, I know you like the must bus and Arkansas should be pretty <laughs> good again. Yeah. Um, a couple of, you know, non power six power seven teams to keep an eye on St. Bonaventure. Uh, rolls into the polls at 25 and 24 or 20, 23, 23, 24, 25, I guess, kind of depending on which poll you're looking at, but they bring all their starters yeah. back. Uh, they reach, they reached the NCAA tournament lost in the first round to LSU, but, um, you know, they are, they've got, uh, Osin, uh, Osinini. I'm, totally butchered that name and my apologies to people who know (laughs) how it's accurately pronounced Uh, but he led the a10 and finished eighth nationwide in blocked shots uh, a year ago averaged 10.7 points 9.4 boards 2.9 blocks um you know 610 220 he's a really good player mark adams or mark schmidt rather is the coach at saint bonaventure this is his best team um and you know if you like Adrian Wojnowski, he is a St. Bonaventure alum. 
he will be so excited for the Bonnies uh, and the success that they should be having. But they should be, I think, probably the top team in the Atlantic 10. Um, you know, we touched on Loyola a little bit. They will be really good in the Valley. Again, they've got those four super seniors who are coming back. Drake will be challenging them as well. Missouri State, Northern Iowa should also be pretty good. Um, BYU, St. Mary's in the West Coast. We touched on them a little. West Coast was really, or sorry, uh, Mountain West was very good last year. Yeah, yeah, and I think San Diego State, they're on the fringes of top 25s, I think at least receiving votes uh, in a couple of those polls. Not quite in the top 25, but Brian Dutcher doing a great job there uh, taking over uh, for Steve Fisher after he's been uh, in charge for a few years now. And they'll get a homecoming of sorts. Uh, Dutcher was an assistant under Fisher when he was in uh, at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. And San Diego State will go and they've got a game in Ann Arbor in the uh, earlier mid part of December. And that'll be a, a nice homecoming for those guys. And they should be probably at the top of the league again. Nevada, another really good team. Uh, Colorado State uh, under Nico Medved, who has yet to make the NCAA tournament um, under Medved. But they've got their best team. So you know, we talked about the Atlantic 10. We talked about the West Coast. The Mountain West will be another kind of, you know, you're not major, not major conference that's going to be uh, a conference that's going to be really, really good. Brock Miller returns to Utah State. Uh, they were a tournament team last year. Should be a lot of fun. I got one last thing I want to ask you before we wrap this up. And give me, give me one. Let me, let me make a pitch for one more team that you can wrap. Oh, it up. please do. I just, uh, I thought you had to go. Sorry, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I got two or three more minutes. Okay. Uh, yeah, Belmont. Uh, they're soon to enter the Missouri Valley, but still in the Ohio Valley as we speak, and. Um, they were, they had one loss going up through most of the regular season. Then Nick Musinski got hurt near the end of the season, and they lost a couple of games coming down the stretch and then lost in the OVC title game and did not even get picked to make the uh, NIT. And they bring back near, they bring back all of their starters too, playing for Casey Alexander. Uh, this is a team that if you kind of want a, a smaller conference team to keep an eye on, you, you know, you want to look smart as you're getting set to talk about February as we, we near the NCAA <laughs> tournament. Keep Belmont on your radar. They'll be really good again. Okay, now your question. Okay, final question. Really, the like the last thing we do here. Uh, you're going to make me pick a winner, aren't you? Oh, I forgot. Uh, we'll do that after this. Okay. Uh, okay, so... As I mentioned to you before we were recording, I'm making a trip out to uh, the Phoenix area for about a week in January. Uh-huh. Now, I know Tucson is a couple, couple hours from there, but my question is, which teams should I try to see if I have an opportunity to go to some college games? Because, you know, there, there's, several, uh, there's several programs out there between Arizona, Arizona State, Grand Canyon... Who should I be trying to go out and see? I mean, I think if you get the opportunity, although they won't be quite as good as they were a year ago, um, but they're based right in Phoenix. Uh, Bryce Drew, the coach, I would start probably with, you know, go see Grand Canyon. Um, you know, they they again, they made the NCAA tournament a year ago. 
Uh, Atmosphere is electric at those games. Students are really into it. Hung tough with Iowa for the first, I want to say, 25 minutes of that game before, uh, you know, so so they've got some things going there. Bryce is building a good program. Um, You know, honestly, uh, I mean, you know, you're looking at kind of the preseason projections, and uh, Arizona is seventh, um, and Arizona State is sixth. So, you know, but Bobby Hurley's team, they're fun to watch. Again, they lost. Remy Martin transferred out. Um, but they do have Marcus Bagley come back. And um, they, they have Luther Muhammad who transferred in. You want to go see Marion Jackson, uh, as you mentioned yeah. earlier. Um, Arizona State, I think, might have the possibility to be a little bit better. Um, and then conversely, Arizona, you know, just to kind of see what – what happens with Tommy Lloyd and how that program kind of builds out. But there's, there was a lot of change that happened at Arizona, but um, you know, if you get a chance, depending on when you're out there, you know, you want to go see all three, I would start with Grand Canyon and Arizona state. No offense to anyone in the wonderful city of Tucson, but uh, that that's just how I would order them. Well, it would also be a lot easier because Tucson's two hours from there, three hours. And I mean, I think uh, a, a, Part of it is just the atmosphere. Even if the team's not good, the tradition of Arizona basketball would be very cool. So, I mean, I'd love to go to all three. You know, I was surprised, just looked it up right now, there's only one other D1 program in the state of Arizona. That's Northern Arizona. It feels like there'd be like a handful of other ones out there in the whack or the swack, but that's it. Yeah, yeah, the the mighty lumberjacks of NAU. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Andrew, uh, we got to wrap this up. So who is your pick? And I'll, you can change your pick at any time. You don't have to stick by it. So we'll do another one of these in a couple weeks. And, you know, maybe we do our picks then. Do you want to wait to do the picks or do you want to do the picks Sure. No, nah, I mean, you know, we, I'll put something on the record now. Okay. I, a year ago, Villanova because Gonzaga was number one. And I was like, I can't pick the number one team in the country. Yeah, and because um, I picked Gonzaga too. And, you know, I – you know, I guess we're going to follow along. There are certain things in sports you can't pick to happen until they happen. So I guess I shouldn't pick Gonzaga to win the national title until they win one. Um, so you know what? We, we didn't touch on them much, which is kind of surprising. Um, but they've got Ochai Abaji coming back. Remy Martin transferred in. Jalen Wilson is back. David McCormick is really good. And they've got a guy who transferred in from Drake, Joseph Yesifu. Um, he is really, really good. So you know what? Put me down for the Kansas Jayhawks, and then we'll we'll see what happens when their infraction case finally, you know, the NCAA, the wheels of justice, the NCAA moves slowly, and who knows what's going to happen to Kansas in terms of punishments after. But it would be kind of fitting if you know, uh, as a way to kind of stick it to the NCAA, Bill Self won a national title before they handed down a postseason ban for you know twenty twenty three. Give me the Jayhawks. Okay, I'll go with Gonzaga once again. As I, I'm just going to keep picking Gonzaga until they finally win, which is probably not smart, but yeah. At least I've gotten the last two World Series champs right in the preseason. So, Like, like you said, it's bound to happen eventually. Why not this year? Yeah, why not this year? All right, Andrew Stem, great job. Uh, we'll chat in a week or two, probably two weeks, after the first week of college basketball season. Let's do one then. Sounds good. All right, thank you very much. Thanks, Jack. Always good to catch up with you, man. All right, y'all. That concludes our college basketball season preview for the 2021 to 2022 
season. It should be a very fun ride along the way. So I hope you guys, if you guys enjoyed what we did today and you want to hear our college basketball content and coverage this season, make sure you subscribe to the Jack Vita Show, wherever it is that you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, you name it. We're on every single podcast platform. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It'll help me get the show out to more people. And log on to my website, jackvita.com, where there's even more content, and I'm writing up a storm over there. Uh, So we will have uh, more content coming soon. I'm sure coming up later, we'll have another football show coming out soon uh, over the weekend, and then uh, some off-season baseball coverage. And we're going to have some cool guests stopping by the show here uh, sometime soon as well. So until our next episode, I'm Jack Vita, bringing the dancing lobsters. 